The breaking news, the special counsel with harsh words, but no criminal charges for President Biden. The lead starts right now. A rather scathing report now out from special counsel Robert Hur, noting that President Biden also held on to classified documents, but unlike in Donald Trump's case, Biden will not face any charges. As the special counsel cites in part, Biden's age and faulty memory, making him sympathetic and difficult to prosecute him. We're going to dive into this breaking news report. Plus, Donald Trump's rather good day at the U.S. Supreme Court, his legal team arguing why the former president should be kept on the ballot in Colorado and beyond. A plaintiff and an attorney who brought on this case will join us live. And a jarring ruling for a former Trump advisor, Peter Navarro, ordered to report to prison. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. Off the bat today, two big stories in our law and justice lead. We'll get to the U.S. Supreme Court in that major case involving Donald Trump, which could impact his eligibility in the 2024 presidential race. But first, we need to get to the breaking news, a report just released from special counsel Robert Hur into President Biden's handling of classified documents from when he was vice president, documents that were far from securely stored at his home. The report includes photos like this one showing where this classified material was kept under his TV in his Delaware home in numerous unlocked, unauthorized locations. Classified documents about Afghanistan in his garage in an old box surrounded by household detritus in Mr. Biden's main floor office and basement den. Page one of the report's executive summary reads, quote, our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency, when he was a private citizen. But the next paragraph goes on to say, quote, we conclude that the evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Therefore, prosecution of Mr. Biden is also unwarranted. And one big reason for that, according to the special counsel, is on page 219, quote, we have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. The report notes that President Biden's memory issues are significant, stating, quote, he did not remember even within several years when his son, Bo, died. Evan Pettis is combing through the report, and, and Evan, for a report that concluded that they're not going to bring criminal charges, it's pretty scathing. Right, Jake. Now, this uh, this report spares very, very little here for the, the president of the United States. And uh, his legal team, of course, is very, very angry because of that. I'll read you uh, just a part of this of this uh, report, which uh, goes over again. They talk about how they they interviewed uh, 147 witnesses, 7 million documents that they reviewed during the course of this 15 month investigation. I'll read you just a part of what they say. They say our investigation uncovered evidence that the president, uh, President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. These materials included uh, marked classified documents about military and foreign policy in Afghanistan, notebooks uh, containing Mr. Biden's handwritten entries about issues of national security and foreign policy implicating sensitive intelligence sources and methods. They go on to point out, uh, Jake, that uh, FBI agents recovered from unlocked drawers 
cars in the offices and basement of Mr. Biden's Delaware home, a set of six, uh, no, a set of six of notebooks that he used as vice president. Evidence shows that he knew that the notebooks contained classified uh, information. Now, as you pointed out, Jake, uh, the, the bottom line here is that uh, we have a, a conclusion of an investigation with no charges against uh, the president of the United States. And what Robert Hur and his investigators say is that it's not just because DOJ, the Justice Department, has rules uh, against uh, indicting a sitting president. They point out that for a number of reasons, there are a number of mitigating factors here, including they believe that uh, Joe Biden would be able to present uh, a credible uh, defense uh, that, you know, essentially he, what, what he did retain, uh, he forgot about. And one of the things they say is that he would be able to present himself as a sympathetic, well-meaning, and elderly man with a poor memory. Now, look, the report goes on, Jake, to point out a lot of problems with the way classified documents are, 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 are handled. They point out that uh, going back to President Reagan, who left office with a number of notebooks that, uh, that he kept notes from uh, with including classified, docu uh, classified information over his eight years that he served as president, he kept those documents and there is no indication that the Justice Department ever investigated that. Of course, one of the important things that will happen as a result of this 345-page report, Jake, is the inevitable comparison with Donald Trump. You read just, uh, just a little while ago Donald Trump, uh, uh, you know, reacting to, uh, to this report. And Robert Hur goes on to point out that there are important differences between the Trump investigation and this one, including the fact that Donald Trump refused to turn over the, the classified documents when he received a subpoena from the court uh, demanding that he return the documents, uh, they, that he also engaged in obstruction, instructing witnesses to lie and uh, attempted to hide documents when the FBI came to Mar-a-Lago to try to retrieve them. So important context, important differences uh, between the Trump investigation and this one. One other thing of note, uh, Jake, that I think we should point out, the fact is that this is a report that, again, goes into scathing detail of the various ways that uh, Joe Biden mishandled uh, classified documents. He shared, he shared classified information with a ghostwriter that he was working on uh, a, a memoir in, uh, in, uh, after his uh, vice presidency in 2017. And that ghostwriter provided important uh, recordings of his conversations, which show that Joe Biden at least knew that he had classified documents. I'll read you just a part of what he says here. He says there is a part of the recording where he says, uh, just found all of the classified stuff downstairs. Again, that's the most damning piece of evidence there that indicates Joe Biden knew he was taking home uh, classified information and, and had kept it when he was not supposed to, Jake. All right, Evan Pettis, thanks so much. Let's go to CNN's MJ Lee at the White House for us now. MJ, how has President Biden or his attorneys uh, responded to this report? Well, the White House is, Jake, certainly leaning into the special counsel's decision to not bring charges, uh, basically saying that this is what they had expected uh, all along. They're also uh, really making a point of highlighting the full cooperation, they say, uh, President Biden and his team gave to the special counsel's office, uh, sitting down for a five-hour interview. That's according to the president, who put out a statement himself uh, the weekend that the war in Israel uh, broke out, uh, turning over documents as soon as they were 
were uh, discovered. Uh, all of this, they say, shows what they have said all along, that the president does take matters of classified documents uh, very, very seriously. Uh, but it is very clear, Jake, that the White House is raising some very serious issues that they see uh, with the special counsel's investigation. Uh, there are, as you were talking about with Evan, many references in that report about uh, memory and recall problems that they say the president clearly has, uh, including when he was being interviewed with the special counsel's office, uh, including uh, this reference to a jury potentially finding him to be a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Now, if you look at the statement from the White House uh, special counsel, it says, we disagree with a number of inaccurate and inappropriate comments in the special counsel's, counsel's report. Nonetheless, the most important decision the special counsel made that no charges are warranted is firmly based on the facts and evidence. Now, if you look at the report, you know actually exactly what it is they find inappropriate about the investigation because it says in the report that they do not believe that the report's treatment of the president's uh, memory is accurate or appropriate. The report uses highly prejudicial language to describe a commonplace occurrence among witnesses, and that is not being able to recall events that took place uh, many years ago. It goes on to say that those comments have no place in a Department of Justice report. So that that is a serious issue that they are taking. Uh, the other issue that we are seeing the White House take with this report is really the length and the scope of the uh, report itself, that it was unnecessarily long and detailed. Uh, take a look at this statement from the president's personal attorney, Bob Bauer. He says the special counsel could not refrain from investigative excess, perhaps unsurprising given the intense pressures of the current political environment. Whatever the impact of those pressures on the final report, it flouts department uh, regulations and norms. So basically they're saying a 15-month investigation, 173 interviews, 147 witnesses, all of that to ultimately not bring any charges against the president. Again, as the White House has uh, said all along, they believed would be the conclusion. Uh, but Jake, I can guarantee you it doesn't matter to Republicans, the former president, Donald Trump, critics of the president who are going to seize on this, whether or not charges were brought. They are going to be seizing on uh, all of the detailed mentions of the memory issues that the special counsel's report alleges the president has to make the point that this is somebody who is too old to be president and has uh, mental cognitive issues. That is something that the White House is going to be pretty furious about. Jake. MJ Lee at the White House, thank you so much. This is a damning report for the president, even if it is not criminal. Uh, Donald Trump has just reacted to it. We have a lot to discuss. We're going to be right back. Stay with us. And we're back with the breaking news special counsel Robert Hur releasing a report this afternoon saying that President Joe Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified military and national security information while he was a private citizen. But the president will not face charges after this year-long investigation. The report concluded that prosecutors would not be able to prove that President Biden intended to break the law. Um, president Biden's talking about this right now. Let's listen in. That there are no charges should be brought in this case. As many of you know, this was an exhaustive investigation going back literally more than 40 years, 40 years when I became a United States senator as a kid. I was a kid, 29 years old. Special counsel acknowledged I cooperated completely. I did not throw up any roadblocks. I sought no delays. In fact, I was so determined to give special counsel what they needed. 
I went forward with a five-hour in-person interview over the two days of October the 9th, 8th and 9th last year, even though Israel had just been attacked by Hamas on the 7th. I was in the middle of handling an international crisis, but I was especially pleased to see the special counsel make clear the stark differences between this case and Donald Trump. As the special counsel wrote, and I quote, several material distinctions between Mr. Trump's case and Mr. Biden's are clear. And by the way, this is a Republican counsel. Most notably, after given multiple chances, this is the continuation of the quote, he returned classified documents and avoided to avoid and avoided prosecution. Mr. Trump allegedly did the opposite. This is the continuing quote. According to the indictment, he has not only refused to return documents for many months, he also obstructed justice by enlisting others to destroy evidence and then lie about it. In contrast, Mr. Biden turned in classified documents to the National Archives, the Department of Justice, consented to a search of multiple locations, including his homes, and sat for a voluntary interview, and in other ways cooperated with the investigation. That's the distinction, among others. Bottom line is the special counsel, in my case, decided against moving forward with any charges. And this matter is now closed. I'll continue to do what I've always done. Stay focused on my job, like you do, of my job of being president. That means going to work with all of you every single day. I can. Thank you for being great partners. Just this week, House Democrats showed how united you are. You defeated Mayorkas impeachment resolution. You, and I no doubt he got out of his hospital bed and come in to vote. No, I'm not joking. I talked to him a little bit. Not after, not before. <laughs> you defeated the Israeli, the Israeli only supplemental. They weren't easy votes for you, but all of you came through in a big way. All this just shows that when we're united, we can beat House All right, President Biden talking uh, about uh, things other than the special counsel's report. So let's uh, break away uh, and go in, check in with uh, MJ Lee, who covers Biden for us uh, at the White House. Uh, and MJ, um, the president there, uh, taking what is positive news for him in this report. Uh, no criminal charges. And special counsel her uh, might have been critical of Biden, but he did point out some important distinctions between the Biden case and the Trump case that are not flattering to Mr. Trump. Um, President Biden seizing on those uh, and declaring victory uh, in a sense. Yeah, we just got a pretty clear distillation of how we expect President Biden and other White House officials to talk about this report going forward, uh, basically saying no charges were brought after the end of this investigation. Uh, President Biden and his team fully cooperated with the special counsel's office. And we heard him say here, this case is now closed. In other words, he would like to move on. Uh, and he said that he was pleased in particular with the contrast that Robert Hurt drew uh, between between his team and his handling of the classified documents investigation uh, and Donald Trump and all of the allegations surrounding uh, his handling of classified documents in contrast. And, and the reality is that they can now uh, go forward and, and use uh, Robert Hur's own words when they are tr drawing that contrast, which they uh, actually have been doing for some time. The fact that they uh, turned in these classified documents right away to the National Archives is something that they've talked about. Uh, the fact that they uh, 
consented to the search uh, of multiple locations, uh, that he sat for a voluntary interview. Uh, he did that the weekend that the Israel war broke out. So this is the contrast that they are going to continue making. But of course, as we were talking about, talking about before, doesn't take away the political ammunition that, th that this gives uh, the president's critics and Republicans, including the former president. All right, MJ Lee, let's talk about that now with CNN's Kristen Holmes, who covers President Trump, former President Trump in West Palm Beach, Florida. For us and Kristen, uh, Donald Trump has been given a, a gift of sorts in this special counsel report. The special counsel specifically noting uh, President Biden's, quote, diminished faculties and faulty memory, unquote, and giving specific instances that are that are cringy, to use a word. Um, and yet my guess is that Donald Trump, instead of seizing upon that, will complain about a two-tiered standard of justice and how unfair it is that President Biden uh, is not being indicted. A am I right? And you guessed right. Oh, okay. You guessed right. <laughs> yeah. That is, you, get, you win the prize. Yes. So I do want to say something before I read this statement because I think it's really important. And, and that is that most of his supporters, if not all of his supporters, as well as people who are considering supporting him, will believe the statement that I am about to read. Now, there are inaccuracies in it. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. We'll go through some of those inaccuracies. But as you said, Jake, this was a political gift of sorts to Donald Trump, an ability for him to blur these two cases together, to be able to say it's a two-tier justice system, and all of that, that conversation around Biden's mental faculties, that is something that his team is already seizing on across social media, and they're going to continue pushing out. So here's what he sent out. It says, this has now been proven to be a two-tier justice system and unconstitutional selective persecution, excuse me, prosecution. The Biden documents case is 100 times different. It is 100 times different. This is more severe than mine. He says, I did nothing wrong and I cooperated far more. What Biden did is outrageously criminal. And it continues there. Again, as we know and as we have said over and over again, these two cases are very, very different. And particularly when it comes to obstruction, we do know that Biden was much more cooperative and willing to turn over those documents than Donald Trump. And in fact, there had to be a subpoena to get those documents from Donald Trump. Plus, there have been reports of witness tampering that the special counsel is looking into to try and protect those documents and keep them with Donald Trump. Now, again, though, I cannot stress enough how politically this is going to play out because it is something that is really going to be amplified by Trump and his team. They are going to blur the lines of these two cases to say that he should have also been charged. They are harnessing, they are focusing on that willfully retained line over and over again, saying if he willfully retained documents, why is it that he's not ha facing any charges? This is why this is a political gift, as you said. It is going to be something that they can double down on, and it's going to be something you're going to hear over and over again. That combined with that language in that report that talks about Biden's mental faculties, something that Donald Trump was already doing on the campaign trail. All right, Kristen Holmes, thanks so much. Let's bring in CNN senior legal analyst Ellie Honig, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District uh, of New York. Uh, and Ellie, um, let's just do a little fact check here. Obviously, what President Biden is accused of is serious. And the special counsel, her, compares what Biden did to that of previous presidents, Reagan, et cetera, uh, and says uh, that those are similar. But he says when it comes to the allegations set forth in the indictment of Mr. Trump, and President Biden just read this, that has more serious aggravating facts. So is, is President Trump correct when he says what Biden did 
as a legal matter, is worse. No, he's coming from opposite world here. First of all, there is a lot of bad news in this report yeah. from Joe Biden that we'll get to in a moment. But virtually every word of Donald Trump's statement is absolutely false. For example, Donald Trump says, quote, I cooperated far more than Joe Biden. To the contrary, Joe Biden, once these documents were discovered, cooperated essentially completely with the special counsel. Donald Trump obstructed justice. He tried to get rid of evidence. He tried to get witnesses to lie. Complete opposite conduct. Donald Trump says also that Joe Biden had 50 times more documents than I had. We don't have a precise count in this report, but Donald Trump had hundreds of classified documents. This report really deals with two batches that Joe Biden had of classified documents. And then Donald Trump repeats the tired, false refrain that he's somehow protected by the Presidential Records Act that has no application to any of this. All right. So uh, beyond that, um, the fact that they did not prosecute, they chose to not prosecute. First of all, they couldn't prosecute President Biden right now anyway. But the fact that they're not recommending prosecution for when Biden leaves office, does that qualify as an exoneration? Well, the good news for Joe Biden is there's no charges and they don't recommend charges. The bad news is pretty much everything else for Joe Biden. Let's just run through real quick some of the findings that Robert Hur makes. First of all, Joe Biden retained classified documents. They were marked as classified. They were top secret. They were the highest level. They had to do with our foreign policy, our national security. Joe Biden knew it. He's on tape referring to the classified documents. In 2017, yes. In 2017, when he was out of office. And I think the most damning fact here is Joe Biden disclosed that information to his ghostwriter. That is really problematic. Now, let me just point this one thing out. Here's a sentence that Robert Hur writes on page one of his report. He says, President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency. Do you know what crime Donald Trump was charged with? Counts one through 32 of his Mar-a-Lago indictment? Willful retention. Willful retention of national defense information. It almost tracks word for word with what Robert Hur finds here. Now, the natural next question was, well, then why didn't Robert Hur recommend charges? As you say, you cannot charge under DOJ policy the sitting president. And the answer is, It's an exercise of prosecutorial discretion. Prosecutors are supposed to think about factors like, how will this play with the jury? Are there defenses? And that's where her talks in a way that's probably politically damaging about Joe Biden's age and his memory and his mental capacity. Yeah, and uh, but uh, we said while we were covering the the Trump classified documents case that it seemed likely, a lot of our our legal experts, I think including you, that if Trump had just turned them over, and cooperated the way that President Biden did, he might not have been charged with anything. I still think that's absolutely true, and you can see that play out here. Prosecutors absolutely should consider. You have to look, first of all, did the person have documents? Did they know about it? Were they classified and sensitive? Yes, yes, and yes for both Trump and Biden. But you have to look at things like, factors like, was the person cooperative? Did they turn things over on the one hand, which Joe Biden did? And on the other hand, did they obstruct? And Donald Trump didn't just lightly obstruct. Let's remember, he, this, he all out obstructs. He tries to destroy physical evidence. He tries to intimidate, bribe, not bribe, excuse me, intimidate, influence witnesses yeah. to not tell the truth. He tries to hide documents from his own lawyer and from the grand jury. That makes a big, big difference to a prosecutor who's making that not always black and white decision of charge or no charge. In fact, uh, Biden's special counsel, the one who is going after him, yeah. said that Trump, quote, obstructed justice by enlisting others to destroy evidence and then to lie about it, as if he was anticipating that Donald Trump was going to come out and say, see, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's interesting that he put it in there. Um, Really? And he put it in there on page like 10 or 11, like pretty high up. Two things that I think are important to note here. 
Number one, Robert Hur. Let's just make sure we understand who he is. Robert Hur was a Trump nominee to be U.S. attorney a few years ago when Trump was, of course, president. Then Merrick Garland appointed him to be the special counsel in this case. So it's hard for me to see either side saying he's some sort of politically motivated hack. He's an experienced prosecutor. He's a Trump nominee. But Merrick Garland chose him to do this job. He seems to me to be a strong pick in terms of credibility. Here's the other thing. Donald Trump will make a motion to dismiss his case based on this. There is a motion in the law called selective prosecution. It's very, very difficult to succeed on. I don't think Trump will succeed. But what you have to do is show someone who behaved similarly to me was not charged while I was. Oh, you think that's why special counsel Herr put that I in? Think, I think he could well be, th- he's a prosecutor. He knows about this motion. He could be thinking about that. So that motion will come from Donald Trump. This gives him some fodder for that. I don't think it means he'll succeed. But now he'll say, see how similar my case is to Joe Biden. I got charged and he didn't. So watch for that. By the way, if Donald Trump had not put out this false statement, we would have just spent the last 10 minutes talking entirely about about Joe Biden and the scathing descriptions of his memory and faculties, according to the special counsel. Ellie Honig, thank you uh, so much. Uh, This comes, of course, on the same day uh, that leaders of the Biden's 2024 campaign team are are, are meeting to chart their way forward in this big election year. Uh, My next guest was essentially a, a voice for Biden's messaging, led his communications team at the White House, knows him very well. We're back in a moment. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And we're back with our breaking news. President Joe Biden willfully retained classified information, according to a scathing report from special counsel Robert Herr. But the president will not face criminal charges. The report says prosecutors would not be able to prove, they don't think, that Biden intended to break the law. But the reason behind that is interesting. The report also contains a concerning assessment of President Biden's faculties and his memory. Investigators finding his, quote, memory was significantly limited in interviews they conducted. They concluded it would be difficult to get a jury to convict a, quote, sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, unquote. And this from the report, Biden did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, quote, if it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president, unquote? And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began, quote, in 2009, am I still vice president? Unquote. He did not remember even within several years, the report says, when his son Beau died. It was May 2015. Though the White House and Biden's attorney objected to the description of the president's memory when he was interviewed about the documents, we should note, let us bring in former Biden White House Communications Director Kate Benningfield and CNN Special Correspondent Jamie Gangel. Kate 
I'm sure you're excited to answer my questions on this, but but I'm always happy to answer questions. Jake <laughs> I'm Albert. sure there are Democratic voters out there. We know polls already think that a majority of Democrats, not just voters in general, but Democrats are concerned President Biden is too old to be president. I'm sure some of them today are looking at these news reports and saying this guy might have been a great president, but he should not be the nominee. What do you say to that? Well, look, I mean, there is some editor- there's some editorializing in this report about Biden's uh, memory. And I think if you think about what it takes to sit down for one of these interviews and ask to be asked to recall information, dates, specifics about things that happened six, seven, eight years earlier. To not know what year Everyone, you're vice president? He's, he's got a lot on his plate. He's working on a lot of different things. He, as he himself said, this interviews happened the day after the attack in Israel. So he had been consumed with dealing with that. I think Anybody sitting down for an interview like that where you're being asked specific dates over and over again, you're not going to remember every single one. So there's some editorializing in the report about uh, his his memory. But I think let's look at what the report actually says, which is, you know, this was a year-long investigation, seven million documents, hundreds of witnesses, and no charges recommended. I mean, I think the special counsel here did probably the most... Uh, detailed and involved investigation that you could do of this situation, looked for every opportunity to say that uh, Joe Biden had acted uh, in a way that uh, deserved charges and and didn't find that. So the other clear thing that we see in this report is the distinction between Joe Biden's case and Donald Trump's case, where where you you have the special counsel saying Donald Trump intentionally obstructed justice. Joe Biden said, take whatever you need, Look at whatever you want. I'm a totally open book on this. And that's a huge, huge difference. Jamie, what are the White House's options here? I mean, it seems to me like as a, as a PR matter, as a legal matter, this is done. It's a W. But as a political and PR matter, this could be bad. Um, but they're choosing just to emphasize the positive. I think it is bad. I don't think there's any question about it. So, look, it is true. Everything Kate said about his cooperating. I covered the story from the beginning. They absolutely cooperated. You know, things were found in an office that had been locked up for years. Trump will try to say, look, you know, this was the same thing. But the fact that they didn't bring charges linked to these memory issues about his son, about when he was vice president, These are poignant things that people remember. Uh, I think it probably won't be long before some Biden surrogates remind people that Donald Trump just confused Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi. So we have two elderly people running. But I think this is bad news for the White House. And and let's talk about that a, a little bit more, because this is a particularly bad week for this report and its comments about President Biden's faculties and his memory to come out, because twice this week he has acted as if he, in 2021, spoke to European leaders who have been dead for years. Uh, once he confused uh, Francois Mitterrand, who died in 1996, with Emmanuel Macron, who is still very much alive. And another time he was referring to Angela Merkel, uh, until recently the, the chancellor of Germany, and referred to Helmut Kohl, who I think died in 2017. Um, so this memory issue is already out there. But I want to know how many voters in Michigan, Wisconsin, you think know the difference between no, no, Kohl they don't and, know, but they, but they Merkel, know or somebody... are going to cast their vote. Well, you asked. You Sorry. Asked. Okay. Or are going to cast their vote for president based on whether someone is naming Emmanuel Macron or Francois Mitterrand, yeah, whose might... name they probably don't even know. But it's so not about I that. Think... It's about faculty and memory and, and, and whether or not somebody they perceive is 
competent. You saw the poll in NBC News that had like Donald Trump is something like 48% perceive him to be competent and like 32% uh, perceived President Biden. I'm not saying that that's accurate, but that's the perception. Well, right. And so they're going to look at how is he doing the job? They're going to look at what has he gotten done? They're going to listen to what he's got to say as he's traveling, as he's campaigning over the next nine months. They're going to hear, as Jamie noted, they're going to hear Donald Trump out there saying, you know, Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi inverting their names. They're going to hear him saying all sorts of things that are have, shall we say, a casual relationship with the truth. I mean, this is a campaign where you're going to have Donald Trump out spewing invective every day and talking about retribution. And people are going to make a decision about which person is going to be the best president for them and is going to do things that's going to make their lives better, not who can name Francois Mitterrand or Emmanuel Macron. All right, merci beaucoup. Uh, Kate Benningfield and Jamie Gangel appreciate it. The other major legal story of the day, how historic arguments reveal that Donald Trump had a good day at the U.S. Supreme Court, learn why, and hear from key players in the room. That's in a moment. Stay with us. And we're back with the other major story in our law and justice lead. Colorado's 2024 presidential ballot will likely include former President Donald Trump, despite the state's unprecedented effort to remove him from the ballot. The United States Supreme Court today heard oral arguments in the case after the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump was ineligible for office under the so-called insurrection clause in the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And look, it takes a lot to unify this very divided U.S. Supreme Court. But today, all nine U.S. Supreme Court justices seem to display at least some skepticism of the arguments from the attorneys representing the Colorado voters who challenged Trump's eligibility. And their questions seem to suggest, potentially, support for Trump in this ballot dispute. Much of it summed up in a key point from Justice Elena Kagan, who, we might remind you, was appointed by President Obama. I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. In other words, you know, this question of whether a former president is disqualified for insurrection uh, to be president again is, you know, just say it. It sounds awfully national to me. In other words, while Colorado is the focus, the high court's decision could have major ramifications across the nation in other states that have pending litigation to remove Trump for their 2024 ballots. A ruling in favor of Colorado, which of course is still possible, could send the entire election into a tailspin, Kagan seemed to be suggesting, which would be something that the U.S. Supreme Court might not want to do. CNN's Paula Reed takes us now inside this historic hearing with a deeper look at the justices' questions and what those questions might indicate about their eventual ruling. In the most anticipated Supreme Court case of the year, the justices signaling that they will side with Donald Trump on the question of whether he's eligible for the 2024 ballot. The former president did not attend Thursday's arguments. Most justices didn't address his role in the January 6th insurrection, instead focusing on legal arguments around the 14th Amendment. Trump's lawyer, Jonathan Mitchell, an experienced Supreme Court advocate, argued Trump isn't covered by the so-called insurrectionist ban. A ruling from this court that affirms the decision below would not only violate term limits, but take away the votes of potentially tens of millions of Americans. And argued January 6th was not even an insurrection. Only one justice asked about whether it was. So riot the point is that a chaotic effort to overthrow the government is not an insurrection? This was a riot. It was not an insurrection. Jason Murray argued for Colorado voters who won their case at the lower court. By engaging in insurrection against the Constitution, 
President Trump disqualified himself from public office. States have the power to ensure that their citizens' electoral votes are not wasted on a candidate who is constitutionally barred from holding office. But the justices appeared much more skeptical of his argument. Do you have uh, contemporaneous examples? Um, and by contemporaneous, I mean uh, shortly after the adoption of the 14th Amendment, where the states uh, disqualified national candidates, not its own candidates, but national candidates. In an ominous sign, the Chief Justice said Mari's arguments were at war with history. That seems to be a position that is at, uh, at war with the whole thrust of the 14th Amendment and very ahistorical. The whole point of the 14th Amendment was to restrict state power. And question the consequences of a ruling in favor of Colorado and other states then following suit. It'll come down to just a handful of states that are going to decide the presidential election. That's a pretty daunting consequence. Even liberal justice Elena Kagan asked this. I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. It was Murray's first time arguing before the high court. He engaged in several contentious exchanges with the justices. And even as a former clerk, it didn't stop Justice Gorsuch from scolding Murray. But no, nevertheless, they were no, put into that no, office. we're talking about Section 3. And Please don't change the hypothetical. And even though the argument seemed to go well for Trump, he still wanted the last word, addressing reporters outside Mar-a-Lago. Can you take the person that's leading everywhere and say, hey, we're not going to let you run? You know, I think that's pretty tough to do, but uh, I'm leaving it up to the Supreme Court. It's unclear how long it will take the justices to issue their opinion, but the Chief Justice will likely take as long as he needs to build consensus across party lines and come up with a compromise, likely a very narrow ruling that shows some unity on the court. This is an institution that is increasingly under scrutiny for concerns about ethics and partisanship. This is an opportunity to allay some of those concerns. Jake, this is as much a test for Chief Justice John Roberts as it is for Donald Trump. All right, Paula Reed at the U.S. Supreme Court for us. Thanks so much. Joining us now... Norma Anderson, a 91-year-old Republican from Colorado. She's the lead plaintiff. She's suing to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. Her name is on the legal filings at the center of arguments in the Supreme Court today. Also with us, Donald Sherman, who represents Norma Anderson and is executive vice president and chief counsel of Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, or CREW, which is a good government group. And Norma, we should just mention for our viewers who don't know this, not only are you a Republican, you're, not only are you a former state representative in Colorado, not only are you a former state senator in Colorado, yeah. you are the former state majority leader in the state house and the state senate. That's how much of a Republican you are. Correct. So first of all, what was it like to be at the center of this historic case? Forget the what the result's going to be. We don't know. We don't know and we won't know until they tell us. But, but regardless of that, you are now, even more than you were, part of history. Yes, but somebody has to do it. Why not me? Right. And, and do you feel proud, even if ultimately the, the court oh. goes against you, will this have been worth it? Yes, absolutely. Why? Because my reason is I'm concerned about our democracy. If we don't do something about saving it, I see it slipping. I've lived long enough at 91. 
to go through many, many presidents, none of them challenged the election as this one did, mm -hmm. which tells me that he will challenge other constitutional things and other things in the democracy. He has yet to accept that he lost. Um, and, and Donald Crew filed uh, this Colorado lawsuit. You heard the U.S. Supreme Court justices earlier today. Uh, are you satisfied with how Jason Murray represented uh, your side and your cause, Colorado voters in court today? And do you see any scenario where you get the verdict you want? Well, first, I'm absolutely satisfied with, uh, with Jason Murray's performance. The justices asked tough questions, in part because we have asked them to make a historic decision, not just uh, for uh, Norma and the voters that we represent, but for the Republican voters of Colorado and perhaps the nation. So it wasn't surprising that uh, both sides got skeptical and incisive questions, but certainly the stakes are higher on, uh, you know, if we prevail. And so it's not surprising that the justices had tougher questions uh, for, for Jason, which I thought he handled ably. The um, lots of legal analysts think that uh, the other side is going to win. Uh, and I'm wondering if you share that opinion or if you uh, if hope springs eternal for your side. Uh, I always wait till the end mm -hmm. because I can't guess an outcome. Every time I try, I'm wrong. <laughs> what about the argument that I'm not going to go through the entire court case again. But what about the argument that if your side wins this case, whenever they rule, um, that just means that this will be something that the other side uses against a Democratic president uh, inappropriately. For instance, we've already heard uh, some Republican governors say, well, maybe what's going on at the border, that uh, President Biden is not doing enough to take care of, maybe that counts as insurrection or rebellion. Well, what everyone forgets is our trial judge found Trump guilty of insurrection. Right. And he had a chance to answer the charges. Trump did, yeah. Yes. So therefore, they would have to find somebody guilty. So the other thing is, um, what if, as other legal experts are anticipating, the Supreme Court goes forward with some sort of splitting the baby decision and rules against you on this, but rules that Donald Trump does not have immunity in that other case that is working its way through the system. Uh, or at the very least, they let the U.S. Appeals Court standing uh, decision stand. Would you be okay with that? I know that that's not what you want, but how would you feel? I'd be very happy if he lost immunity. And what about you? Well, I, I mean, I think the uh, immunity question raises something interesting, which Trump's lawyers raised at the oral argument today. Um, he suggests that uh, states can't enforce Section 3, uh, suggests that courts can't enforce Section 3. And then when asked about the criminal immunity statute, which, um, you know, isn't sort of perfectly matched with Section 3, he also said that the president had immunity. The entirety of Trump's argument is that he is somehow special and that Section 3 and uh, doesn't apply to him, that the federal criminal statute can't apply to him, and that he is above the law. Even the exception that uh, Jonathan Mitchell argued about the office officer question, as the justices asked him, uh, is meant to cover just Donald Trump.
because at least in uh, Mitchell's estimation, Trump and, oh, George Washington are the only presidents who were elected but had not previously taken a article uh, or a Section 6 oath uh, to support the Constitution. And so, you know, I, I think underlying your question is, uh, is Trump's main argument, which is that no law, whether it's federal criminal law or the Constitution of the United States, should apply to him. So your name is now going to be up there with Madison, Marbury, Anderson. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at Not, all. No matter what happens, historic. <laughs> yeah. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. And, and safe travels back to, back to Colorado. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up, the scathing details attacking President Biden's memory from the special counsel's report. Will that, those uh, scathing comments stick with voters when they go to the polls in November? Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. From executive producers Park Chanuk and Robert Downey Jr., The Sympathizer is the new HBO original limited series based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel of the same name. Join me, Philip Nguyen, a scholar of Vietnamese-American culture, and the cast and crew as we discuss the making of this historic series. Subscribe now to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and stream HBO's The Sympathizer starting April 14th exclusively on Max. This is CNN Breaking News. The breaking news in the Law and Justice lead, a damning report released late this afternoon from Special Counsel Robert Hur and President Joe Biden's mishandling of classified documents after he was vice president. The report includes photographs of documents far from securely stored at Biden's Delaware home, showing them kept under his TV in his Delaware home. Classified documents about Afghanistan barely stored in an old box in his garage surrounded by by household debris. The special counsel ultimately concluded, quote, the evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Therefore, prosecution of him would be unwarranted. Part of the reason for that, however, is that, quote, we have considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory, unquote, hardly a bumper sticker for a 2024 presidential campaign. The report repeatedly notes President Biden's memory issues, stating, quote, he did not remember even within several years when his son Beau died, which was 2015. In the last hour, President Biden reacted to the outcome of this report. Special counsel acknowledged I cooperated completely. I did not throw up any roadblocks. I sought no delays. In fact, I was so determined to give special counsel what they needed, I went forward with a five-hour in-person interview over the two days of October the 9th, 8th and 9th last year, even though Israel had just been attacked. But I was especially pleased to see the special counsel make clear the stark differences between this case and Donald Trump. I want to bring in CNN senior justice correspondent Evan Perez. Evan, walk us through uh, the significance of this report. Well, Jake, look, I mean, the, the, the bottom line here is the use of the word by the special counsel of willful retention. I mean, that's a big deal. It's a big finding from a legal standpoint for the Justice Department because it says that Joe Biden knew he was holding on to classified documents uh, at the time uh, that he was not supposed to after he had left the vice presidency. 
Then they go on to explain all of the various reasons why they believe they can't sustain, they could not sustain a, a prosecution or a conviction of the form of the president. And one of the things they point out, obviously, you, you read that quote about the fact that the form, that the president uh, would present himself as a well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. But they also go on to say that uh, there are there is other pieces of evidence, including the fact that uh, Joe Biden believed some of these notebooks, that the, the most damning evidence uh, is contained in these notebooks, uh, which, which contain his, his notes from uh, situation room meetings, uh, from his memo that he provided to, to then-President Obama in 2009, arguing against the surge, the troop surge, that Joe Biden believed he had a right to retain those notebooks. As a matter of fact, they point out that in an interview, in the interview with the president, uh, he says, I thought these notebooks were mine. They were my personal property. And the special counsel points out, by the way, Jake, that going back to Ronald Reagan, presidents and you know, people who've in these, served in these offices have believed that their notes were theirs to keep and that the Justice Department has never investigated them. Now, the, the obvious comparisons to Trump, you see President Biden there bringing up Donald Trump. And, you know, you look at the, the, the pictures you just showed, right? Uh, if you compare that to the gilded bathrooms in Mar-a-Lago where, where, where uh, Donald Trump was storing some classified documents, people are going to make those comparisons. They're also going to make comparisons to the fact that Donald Trump is accused, in his case, of willful retention of classified documents. The difference, obviously, are many. Uh, Robert Hur goes into that. He says that... Uh, obviously, Donald Trump uh, retained these documents after he received a subpoena. He obstructed the investigation, instructed people. He's accused of, a, uh, of, of instructing people to lie to investigators. None of those things are present in this case. Joe Biden was very cooperative, sat for interviews, and, and, and invited the FBI to come in and, and, and search. Interesting stuff. Evan Pettis, thank you so much. Let's go straight to CNN's Manu Raju on Capitol Hill, where I'm sure this report is having a huge effect. And Manu, this report... Um, politically, and then it didn't have to do this legally, I suppose, but it is one of the reasons why they decided not to prosecute. It, politically, the report hones in on then-Vice President Biden's age, uh, his inability to remember key events, both when he was former vice president and as president. Are any Democrats concerned about the politics of this? Well, they've been concerned about Biden's age as a vulnerability for some time, given that polls after poll has shown Joe that being a major issue for voters across the country. But in the aftermath of this report, there has not been a much Democratic reaction so far. In fact, the top Democratic leaders, Chuck Schumer and on the Senate, Hakeem Jeffries in the House, neither of them have commented so far. Chuck Schumer was approached by reporters, declined to comment about this. We've heard from some other rank-and-file Democrats who have been walking through the Senate, been asked questions about these reports, and specifically about concerns about Biden's mental acuity. One of them, Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, uh, telling reporters that Biden is, quote, as sharp as ever, saying that I don't know where they are claiming their med medical expertise is, but the American people can be the judge of Joe Biden's memory. That has been echoed by others as well, including Mark Kelly of Arizona. We have heard some Democrats echo the line from Joe Biden that he gave to House Democrats just moments ago, saying that this is a much different situation than what happened with Donald Trump. They can't compare the two, but the question, of course, they have to make that in the, in the eyes of voters who will be assessing all of this, Jake. And how are Republicans responding to this report? 
Oh, they're jumping all over the mental acuity questions. That has been one of the things that almost every Republican who has put out a statement so far has seized upon. They have also raised questions trying to compare this to the Trump case. Some have said this is a double standard of sorts, but the mental sharpness questions will undoubtedly be one that will be echoed by Republicans down the line, including from the Speaker of the House himself, who put out a statement with Republican leadership uh, talking about this report, saying among the most disturbing parts of this report is the special counsel's justification for not recommending charges, namely that the president's memory had such significant limitations that he could not convince a jury that the president held a mental state of willfulness that a serious felony requires. A man too incapable of being held accountable for mishandling classified information is certainly unfit for the Oval Office. Now, we also caught up with Senator Lindsey Graham, who is the top Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee. He said he had not yet reviewed the report, and he answered questions about the concerns that were raised by it. The summary of the special counsel about the status of uh, President Biden was unnerving. I mean, people from all over the world are going to read that. And it was basically one of the defenses was he's a nice man who's elderly and can't remember. I mean, that's the special counsel's observation of President Biden. Yeah, I, you know, I've tried not to say anything about, you know, like Bo was a great man. I mean, listen, I, I haven't gone down that road, but now I don't know what to tell people. I mean, the special counsel's observation was pretty stunning. Of course, Graham being in the minority in the Senate does not have investigative power. He cannot issue subpoenas. That is not the case, of course, on the House side. Republicans are in charge. They're already investigating Joe Biden as part of an impeachment inquiry that was not focused on this issue of cla handling classified documents. The question, Jake, will be in the weeks and days ahead is about whether or not this investigation will shift in any way. They've had a hard time moving forward with an impeachment inquiry, convincing Republicans that Joe Biden committed impeachable offenses. How do Republicans deal with this in the aftermath of some of the questions here, even though the special counsel did not recommend any charges being pursued? But undoubtedly, them Republicans will not drop this when they come back into town. The House is out of session now. They get back on Monday and they'll be talking about this then as well. Jake. All right, Manu Raju on Capitol Hill. Thanks so much. Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman from New York joins me now. Hey, Congressman, how are you? Um, today's special counsel, uh, Robert Hur's report was released to the public, as you know. Uh, he concluded that uh, while he was not going to bring charges, President Biden, in his view, willfully retained classified information. Uh, but the reason, one of the reasons he's not bringing the charges is because he thinks Joe Biden is too old and feeble, essentially. Uh, for him to prosecute without the jury finding him sympathetic. What's your reaction? I don't buy that that's a reason why he didn't prosecute. That's completely ex extraneous and unnecessary, delivered by a Republican trying to make a political statement that has no place in this special counsel's report. The bottom line is that President Biden cooperated fully. As soon as he and his team identified that there were classified documents, he turned them over. He allowed the FBI to search every room in his house. He fully, completely cooperated. and. There there just simply wasn't evidence that he knowingly and intentionally uh, held classified information with any intent to distribute it. 
juxtapose that to Donald Trump, who went to such great lengths to obstruct the FBI's, uh, first the archives, then the FBI, that he was charged with obstruction of justice, which demonstrates a clear knowledge and intent. And that's why he's charged with uh, his indictment down in Florida and why President Biden uh, has been exonerated today. Well, as you likely know, I mean, the special counsel, Robert Hur, who you just seemingly suggested was something wrong with his judgment because he's a Republican, he goes into that very early in the report, contrasting what President Biden did with what former President Trump did, noting the differences, calling them, you know, quite uh, stark, I think the word uh, aggravating factors he used. So, I mean, he's on the same page as you when it comes to that. But the, the, the memory lapses that President Biden is described as having in this report this is not the first time anybody's raised issues of President Biden's acuity. And in fact, twice this week, President Biden referenced uh, European leaders, conversations he had with them in 2021, when both those European leaders had long been dead. He confused Macron with Mitterrand. He confused Helmut Kohl with Angela Merkel. Are you really acting as if there's nothing to these issues or these concerns? Well, I, I saw from the White House counsel that they disputed this uh, recollection of the interview. And I will tell you, Jake, uh, I was in Israel on October 7th, as you know, and President Biden was nice enough to call me. And I can tell you, this was the day before that interview, I can tell you he was sharper than anyone I've spoken to about a very complex geopolitical urgent issue with the Hamas terrorist attack and had indicated to me that he had spoken to all of the relevant leaders in all of these different countries. His mastery and command of a complicated geopolitical situation uh, was uh, just impeccable. And so I, I don't know what happened in there. There's a dispute uh, f uh, from President Biden's lawyers. Um, and the bottom line is that it is uh, completely extraneous to this uh, report, unlike, for example, Jake and special counsel Mueller's report, where he outlined 10 specific examples where Donald Trump obstructed the investigation. And that wasn't even the classified document investigation. And in this case, Joe Biden, who believes in the rule of law, he believes in our Department of Justice and its independence, cooperated fully. And there's simply no evidence here. I don't understand how he even is able to say that he willfully retained it. He has one example, literally, as far as I can tell, one example of uh, demonstrating any knowledge that he had classified information. And it's not clear whether that's notes or whether it's uh, secured markings, which uh, would would be uh, noticeable, whereas the notes would not. I think the, the, the point you're talking about is evidence supports the inference that when Mr. Biden said in 2017 to his ghostwriter of his book, that he had, quote, just found all the classified stuff downstairs, unquote, in Virginia. Um, but before you go, because we're running out of time, I do want to ask you about today's historic hearing in the U.S. Supreme Court, where the justices seemed rather skeptical of the argument being made on behalf of Colorado voters uh, that Donald Trump should be kept off the ballot because of the insurrection, insurrectionist ban in the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. What did you think of, of the oral arguments? And, and uh, do you think uh, that the Colorado voters are headed for a defeat? 
Well, I, there are a couple things that jumped out to me. First, that there was very little discussion of whether or not Donald Trump actually engaged in an insurrection, um, which uh, the trial court determined uh, pretty convincingly. And I know there were some questions about that process, um, but they were focused on, I think, very legitimate uh, democracy rule of law issues as to whether one state can declare a federal candidate to be invalid and off the ballot and how that would have an impact on other states. Um, whether or not this is a self-executing clause in the Constitution, which it has been used as before. These are all very technical legal things. But, Jake, the biggest thing for me that I am just shocked about is that Justice Clarence Thomas sat there for oral argument. He had recused himself in the John Eastman case because of his wife's involvement in the January 6th insurrection. But today, in another case involving the same subject matter, he did not recuse himself. This is a crisis of ethics at the Supreme Court. Justice, Chief Justice Roberts has said that they can police themselves, but it is clear, based on Clarence Thomas's own actions, that he cannot and they cannot. And it is high time for Congress to enact significant ethical reforms at the Supreme Court. Democratic Congressman Daniel Goldman from New York, New York. Thank you so much, sir. Good to see you as always. You too. A powerful interview we've been hoping to bring you for months in October. I spoke with a man in Israel while his wife and children were being held hostage by the terrorist group Hamas. I'm going to talk to him again, but he will not be alone this time. And you're not going to want to miss that interview. Also, can President Biden turn this scathing classified documents report to his political advantage or will this haunt him in November? That's next. Two huge political headlines today. The scathing special counsel report on President Biden's willful retention of classified documents, though he decided not to pursue criminal charges, and the Supreme Court hearing on the Trump ballot case. Let's discuss both of these with our political experts. Uh, Let's start with the um, case, the U.S. Supreme Court case. What struck you the most about the arguments today? Well, it seemed like the uh, justices were leaning toward uh, toward Donald Trump's art, uh, side of the case here. I mean, you didn't hear a whole lot about uh, the, what uh, caused, what defines an insurrection, whether he participated in insurrection. I mean, you didn't really hear a lot of questions about the kind of one of the fundamental lines of uh, uh, attack, perhaps for lack of a better word. Here, it didn't seem like uh, they were really buying the argument. I would, you know, I'm certainly not a legal scholar. I, you know, as a, a political expert, I would probably argue that at the end of the day. It will, be, uh, it will be better for Donald Trump to be defeated at the ballot box than to be defeated in the court. I think that is probably a better outcome for Democrats politically. Obviously, the justices will do what they're going to do. But um, it didn't sound like from the arguments today that it was, uh, that it was moving in Colorado's favor. Except, uh, Joe, it, it's entirely possible that he won't be defeated at the ballot box. Exactly. And we'll talk about that with our second issue in a moment. I, I, I agree with Kate. It's What's disappointing, Jake, is I I think they're going to overrule Colorado, but it seemed to be kind of a practicality argument. I I just don't know how this would work. If we supported Colorado, what about all the other states? There was no discussion of insurrection. A little. There was a teeny bit. A little bit. No no engagement as to whether he committed insurrection, which I think he did, but who am I? That was disappointing. But the, the facts, the law, and the Constitution, it seemed to just be... How the heck could we make this work? I, I wanted more than that. Let's, uh, let's turn now to the report from Special Counsel Robert Hur, who, who concluded uh, that he's not going to bring criminal charges. And one of the reasons he's not bringing criminal charges 
is because he thinks it would be difficult to prosecute President Biden when he's no longer president because he might appear, quote, sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. Now, the White House is pushing back one official telling CNN that they viewed some of the criticism outlined in the report as way out of line and just wrong. But this is obviously going to be used quite a bit. It's already being used by Speaker Johnson. If you're too old and feeble, I'm paraphrasing, but John, Speaker Johnson is saying something along the lines, if you're too old and feeble to be held accountable uh, for classified documents, then you're too old and feeble to be president. What, what's your take on it all? Here's my take, Jake. And I say this as someone who very publicly doesn't want Donald Trump anywhere near the White House again. This is troubling. And Kate and I have talked about this before. This age issue is a huge issue. And I think only Joe Biden can address this issue. Uh, Even before this report today, this was going to be a huge issue. Biden's got to get out there and aggressively show the American people he can do the job. And if he can do that, he's going to win. I think it's also important to note, though, I mean, he didn't he didn't decline to pursue charges solely because he believed Biden wouldn't be found guilty by a jury. I mean, I think that's not an entirely no, that's not part of it. an entirely uh, accurate representation. Partly. I mean, he, he he spent a year <laughs> investigating this case, looking at documents, talking to hundreds of witnesses and declined to pursue charges because he didn't feel they were justified. So I, I would just you know, it, it's not like he, he spent a year looking at this case and then said, well, we couldn't win in front of a jury because it seems like he's old. That's that's not what it's the report, a that's not what the report it's says. a that's it's certainly <laughs> one of the reasons it's certainly without question. It's one of the reasons that they didn't bring the. There is no question. There is a lot of editorializing in this report uh-huh. about uh, President Biden's interview. And, you know, I think what the American people are ultimately going to do is they're going to watch him on the campaign trail. They watch him in the White House. They're going to make a judgment between Donald Trump, who, by the way, can't remember whether he's who he's running against or, you know, whether it's Nikki Haley or Nancy Pelosi. They're going to make a judgment about which of those two men is going to get things done for them. And I think Joe Biden's got a winning case on that. And and we have covered when Donald Trump mistook Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi. And we have covered many other things along those lines. But then there is this I see dead people thing that happened this week by President Biden. Twice he has alluded to conversations he had recently with long dead European leaders. Uh, Here is one he's talking about, this is Sunday, talking about a meeting with French President Francois Mitterrand, who died in 1996. He he meant to be referring to the current French President Emmanuel Macron. Take a listen. Well, in any case, uh, the sound says, Biden says, right after I was elected, I went to what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. It was in the south of England. Oh, here we go. Okay, great. Let's, let's run that clip. Right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. And it, was in, it was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? Again, not only did Biden confuse Macron and Mitterrand, at another event he mentioned meeting with Helmut Kohl, who died in 2017, again, referring to talking to Helmut Kohl, basically the same story, by the way, and I know he's an old Irish pal, he tells a lot of stories, <laughs> but like basically about saying, telling the same story about 2021, uh, when Helmut Kohl had been dead for four years. Um, now, 
I know you're saying that people in <laughs> Michigan don't care if somebody confuses Macron and Trump. I want you to find you me the said, vote. I want you to find the point, me the voter who the, says I will not vote for him. It's not about that. It's about well, help me out here, Joe. No, Wait. they do. They do. This is a huge issue that I think a lot of voters have trouble even articulating publicly. But it's a big concern. And again, Kate, I say this as someone who wants him to win. They can't ignore it. They can't tiptoe around it. They can't talk about the economy. Joe Biden has to look the American people in the eyes and say, this is me. This is who I am. If he can't do it, that he's going to lose to an insurrectionist. But your, your, your point is the American people are going to see him and, and, and get their measure of the man and make their decision. And that's what today's polls reflect, though, is my point. He's been president now since 2021. Well, but there's also, you know, we have not been in the in the thrust of a presidential campaign. People have not really thought about Donald Trump in the way they were thinking about him day in and day out when he was president. So there's going to be a contrast here. I think that Joe Biden's going to come out favorably. I also think he is out every day making the case. He's talking about what he's getting done. This is going to be a very aggressive campaign. And I think at the end of the day, in the measure of Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, I do think Joe Biden will come out on top. Trey BM, Mademoiselle, thank you both at the <laughs> U.S. Supreme Court today. Why the questions were likely more revealing than any of the answers, we'll explain next. And we're back with our Law and Justice lead, a high-stakes hearing today at the U.S. Supreme Court. Let's go straight to CNN's Jessica Schneider. Jessica, what did you hear from the justices that stood out to you? Well, Jake, you know, there was real pushback from the justices here against the attorney representing those voters in Colorado who wanted to get Trump off the ballot and who succeeded in the win at the Colorado Supreme Court level. And what the pushback that we saw from these justices, we really saw this consensus emerge, particularly toward the end of the arguments, the consensus that the 14th Amendment really does not allow states to unilaterally decide to exclude these insurrectionists from the ballot. We saw the Chief Justice John Roberts really leading the questioning, leading with the skepticism. But he was also joined not only by his fellow conservatives, but even at least one liberal, Justice Elena Kagan. Take a listen to this. There will be conflicts in decisions among the states. The different states will disqualify different candidates. Uh, but I, I'm not getting a whole lot of help from you about uh, how uh, this would not be an unmanageable situation. Why should that be the right rule? Why should a single state have the ability to make this determination, not only for their own citizens, but for the rest of the nation. So we saw all the justices really seize on this, this issue, but they also seem to pick apart other legal issues. And the other legal issues are those that could actually provide an off-ramp for this court. They might not have to decide those thornier issues as to whether there was an insurrection and whether or not Donald Trump engaged in an insurrection. Instead, they might be able to look at these issues like, is an officer of the United States even a president, which it says um, in the 14th Amendment, uh, this, the 14th Amendment only applies to an officer of the United States. Could it be that it has to be an office holder as opposed to someone just seeking election for the office? And then there was Justice Kavanaugh who really seized on this question, you know, is it even for the courts to decide? Take a listen. These are difficult questions. And you look right at Section 5 of the 14th Amendment, as the Chief Justice said, and that tells you Congress has the primary role here. So the Supreme Court could end up deciding this isn't even for courts to decide and that instead Congress must step in. So either way, Jake, there are a lot of avenues for Trump to win here. And it really appeared that a majority of ju the justices would side with Trump here. Yeah, that immunity case, of course, is still out there. Jessica Schneider, yes. thanks so much. A former Trump attorney who was listening closely to the arguments at the U.S. Supreme Court is going to join us next to discuss. Thanks. 
More now in our law and justice lead and what looked to be a good day in court for former President Donald Trump on this issue of whether he should be on the ballot uh, in Colorado. With me now, former Trump lawyer Tim Parlatori. And Tim, uh, I want to get to the U.S. Supreme Court case in a moment. But first, let's talk about the special counsel report uh, into President Biden's mishandling of classified documents. Sure. No criminal charges, but it says that it was willful uh, yeah. retention of classified documents, which which was obviously inappropriate. Yeah, and this is a statute that I've obviously spent a lot of time right. looking into. You worked on Trump's classified documents yeah, case. For, for over a year. And, yeah, it's, I, I can see where he was looking for reasons to not prosecute, which kind of puts him into a difficult bind of, you know, the, the mental capacity and his memory. Um, and so if you want to prop it up and say, oh, no, he's very sharp, then shouldn't they be prosecuted? But really the thing that jumped out to me, obviously they're, they're making significant distinctions with the, uh, the alleged obstruction once these documents are found and once law enforcement gets involved. Uh, but the thing that I noticed that's also a big difference is Donald Trump, you know, he left the White House in a very chaotic uh, time. Mm -hmm. These documents were all basically boxed up taken to Mar-a-Lago, there was a lot of stuff. And, and you know, this is something that I had written right. about at the time that requires a legislative solution for. But Joe Biden, it, it appears from there, intentionally took these things with him. Because he, th he thought he different. could, even though he was wrong. Right. And, and that's the difference, is that he intentionally took them, whereas Donald Trump, it's yeah. more about what did he do once he found them. But well, we covered this at the same at the time that you were representing him, right. which is if Trump had cooperated, he probably our legal experts would say wouldn't have been charged. And look, Robert Herr, uh, as unflattering as his description is of Joe Biden uh, yeah. throughout much of this report, he says there were serious aggravating factors with Trump, including uh, he did the opposite of, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity to return the classified documents to avoid prosecution. And, quote, according to the indictment, he not only refused to return the documents for many months, he also obstructed justice by enlisting others to destroy evidence and then to lie about it. Um, so, I mean, the, it's that post behavior that really was the big difference, right? It, it is. It, and again, that's obviously... That's his it, opinion it, and the allegation of the other special counsel. Right. It, it's the allegation. It's not proven yet, but those allegations certainly do you know, make it appear much more you know, damning on the one side. A lot of these things are, how do you react once the documents are found? And, you know, just as Joe Biden should have returned the documents, you know, the moment that he's telling his ghostwriter, hey, I found the classified stuff done, downstairs in 2017 so, yeah so to you know would would trump have had to do it and it's it's definitely something here where joe biden had the opportunity to see what trump did yeah when he got that subpoena and then a few months later he's in his own situation so i wouldn't be surprised if his lawyers said to him at that time hey you just saw what trump did let's treat this case in a way that makes a clear distinction yeah, well, you know, listening to your lawyers is a, is a, is a good characteristic, <laughs> right? And one that I think Mr. Trump could probably do more of. But let's move on to the other issue, because sure. um, about, the, about the, the case today, yeah. Donald Trump seemed to have a rather good day in court. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that the court's going to rule in favor for Trump in the ballot ban case, and that they were all, not all, well, maybe all, actually, at least a, a big majority of them, not just the six right-leaning justices appointed by, by Republicans, but also maybe Kagan, maybe Sotomayor and Jackson, were looking for an off-ramp. Do you agree with that assessment? I do. You know, when I was listening to the arguments this morning, uh, there was a point where Justice Kagan started asking questions about why should the states have this decision? Shouldn't this be something that's left up to the, to the federal side? And as soon as she said that, I kind of realized, okay, this right here, this question, 
this is what the ultimate decision is going to be. And I would predict that it's going to be a, a unanimous decision. Oh, yeah. Probably even per curiam, so that they don't actually say who wrote it. And they're going to decide it on a very narrow basis, and I think it's going to very closely mirror that question by Justice Kagan. And do you think, because John Roberts is who he is and likes to be seen as moderate and not a Republican or Democrat, not conservative or liberal, do you think that that will come maybe even the same day with a decision by the U.S. Supreme Court to not hear the uh, immunity case uh, and to defer to the U.S. Appeals Court decision that Donald Trump does not have immunity for prosecution? I, you know, I don't think that they're going to want to do it on the same day because then it does look like, you know, gamesmanship, you know, like we're releasing Rob Burr's report the same day. Right. Um, so I don't think it'll be the same day. You know, whether they decide to, uh, to deny cert or whether this, they decide to grant cert um, and then, you know, leave the uh, district court or the circuit court ruling in place, I think they would uphold it even if they uh, granted cert. Um, and so I, I don't know how he's going to do that as far as timing uh, is concerned, but I, I don't see where the Supreme Court is going to just overturn it. All right, Tim Parlatore, always good to have you, sir. Thank you so Thank much. You. An interview that I hoped we would get to have, I'm going to bring you now. In October, I spoke with a man in Israel while his wife and children were being held hostage by the terrorist group Hamas. Now he is coming back for another interview. Thankfully, he will not be alone this time because his family is back with him. You're not going to want to miss this. That's next. Topping our world lead, Israel estimates that 132 hostages are still being held in Gaza. Around 30 of them believed to have been killed. Hagar Brodich and her three children were taken hostage by the terrorists of Hamas on October 7th. You might remember, I spoke to Hagar's husband and the father of the three children, Avichai, on October 30th when I was in Tel Aviv. Take a listen. I really want my kids to, you know, to be right here and, you know, I want Yuval to play soccer and Uriah to play in his Xbox and, you know, free to play her guitar and my wife to be with me, you know. I, I, I sleep alone at night. I, I want to hug my wife, you know, and be with her. Bring them Avichai, home. I'm so sorry. Thanks very much. I want you to come back, and I want you to come back with your wife and your two sons and your beautiful daughter, and we'll celebrate. We'll celebrate when they're back. Today is that day, although they are, are not here in studio with me, so I can't give them any gifts. Uh, but I'm happy to welcome back to the show Avichai Brodich, and I'm happy to welcome to the show Hagar. Hagar and their three kids were released in late November after 51 agonizing days of captivity. Uh, Avichai, it's, it's so great to see you, uh, and Hagar, it's so great to see you with him. Um, Avichai, what was the moment like uh, when you saw your wife and kids again? You know, I, I want to say it, it's just, it, it's unimaginable. I can't really explain it, you know. It's, I think it's closest to, you know, when Ophelia was born, uh, my first, or my eldest, I had a, you know, it's it's a heavenly experience having a first child born and this is times four because you know i had three children come back and my wife that i missed so much so it's it's a miracle you know that happened to me and this is just like birth is a miracle this is four times this so it's just incredible amazing you know i, I think it over and over again and i can't imagine it's it's unimaginable just, you know marvelous 
Hagar, how are you doing? And how are Yuval, Oria, and Ofri? How, how are they doing? Um, we're okay, I think, most of the time. Um, we're talking about, uh, about Gaza a lot. Um, and it's good for us to do it. Um, most of the time we're okay. And we're going to be okay. And Hagar, and Hagar, I want to ask, what, what can you tell us? What are you comfortable telling us about what you and your three beautiful children experienced while you were being held in captivity? Wow. Um, it was hell. It was just hell. Um, we really missed uh, Avichai. And I thought he was dead. Uh, just a few hours before I met him uh, at, uh, at November 26th, uh, uh, just a few hours before I realized that he's alive. And so all the times there I was grieving. And it was just hell. I can't describe what, uh, what we've been through. And Hagar, you spoke at the 24... Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. You spoke at the 24-hour rally in Tel Aviv on the 100th day of captivity for the remaining hostages. And you say releasing the other hostages needs to be Israel's top priority. Do you feel like the Israeli government could be doing more? Could the American government be doing more? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If I'm here... Uh, all of them should be here right now. And Avihai, you worked so hard to secure the release of your wife and your children. What's your advice to other families going through this same excruciating nightmare, not even just um, with hostages in Gaza, but those individuals who might have family who has been being held hostage, uh, for example, in Russia, um, Evan Gershkovich, who's a journalist, uh, and two other Americans are being held. What's you, what's the, what advice can you give families who are suffering like you did? You know, don't give up. There's always hope. Uh, you know, a lot of people around me told me that uh, they didn't believe that my family will be back. They were sure the Hamas is going to slaughter them over there. And I never lost hope, you know, I've always felt it in my heart that they're alive and that they're well. And uh, that's how it was. I think, uh, you know, for others, it wasn't like that. But you always, you have to keep your hopes up, have to keep fighting all the time. Um, you know, there's a, miracles are happening all the time. And there's always hope for a miracle. I've got a miracle. It's sitting right next to me and my three kids. Um, so, you know, just hope and do as much as you can all the time keep it in the news you know you have to call everyone do everything if it's parliament members and congressmen i met so many congressmen and senators in america you know the people of america did so much for me for my family i have to thank i think the whole of america for my wife being here with me it's you know i got hugged by so many people when i was there i went to washington to to visit the the americans the congressmen and people of parliament and the Qatari ambassador, of course, which I have to thank as well. The Qataris did so much for me, uh, for the hostages that returned. So I owe thanks to so many and 
there's a lot of work to be done still and you just have to keep on fighting you know wherever you are in the world wherever everybody's being held hostage and all this wrongdoing is being done you just have to keep on fighting you know never give up and hagar how did you how did you make it through how did you mentally and emotionally survive that horrific ordeal um um it's like your soul and your body um they're changing mode when you're there uh, you don't feel anything uh, you're not hungry you're not sick you're not nothing you just survive for your uh, for four babies for my three babies and Abigail you just have to survive um, yeah well I'm so happy that you're out and that Yuval Oria and Ofri are out and you guys are all safe thank you so much Toda Raba uh, for joining us really appreciate it and and best of luck to you thank you Jake thank you very much we'll be right back this busy day is going to spill well into the night. Coming up next in the Situation Room with Mr. Wolf Blitzer, former White House officials from both the Biden and Trump administrations, reacting to the special counsel's report, concluding that there should be no charges against President Biden, despite him willingly keeping classified documents in unlocked, unauthorized locations in his Delaware home. Then tonight, in the 8 o'clock hour, special coverage of Donald Trump's case today before the U.S. Supreme Court, CNN's Anderson Cooper, We'll anchor that along with Caitlin Collins. Then at 10 p.m. Eastern, CNN's Abby Phillip and Laura Coates will lead coverage of the big 2024 election contest with the Nevada Republican caucuses. Donald Trump is headed to that state right now. Keep it here on CNN for coverage of all of today's news. Until tomorrow, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, X, formerly known as Twitter, plus on the TikTok at Jake Tapper, or you can follow the show on X at the lead CNN. If you ever miss an episode of The Lead, you can listen to the show once you get your podcasts all two hours, just sitting there like a giant Philadelphia pizza pie. Our coverage continues now with Wolf Blitzer in the Situation Room. See you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.